the connection with infections because you could be, you know, been bit by a tick as a child and you're fine, but you might have gotten Lyme disease, but you don't need to be treated. Your immune system is robust and keeping that under control, but you get exposed to mold and all of a sudden your immune system can no longer keep that old Epstein-Barr or that old herpes virus. You get cold sores or that shingles, that's, you know, chickenpox gets reactivated or the Lyme disease, you get pain, you get headaches, you get uh, fatigue. So all these old infections, which we all have some of them, can be reactivated in the in the setting of a mold exposure because of that weakened immune system. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Ancient Health Podcast, and my name is Courtney. Today, we have Dr. Jill Carnahan with us. She is a dual board-certified practitioner in family medicine and integrative holistic medicine. She's also the medical director of Flatiron Functional Medicine and has an incredible practice where she's helping patients with complex and chronic illness. Now, she has her own personal story, which we talk about a little bit in this episode about overcoming breast cancer and Crohn's disease and toxic mold illness. And that's one thing that we've focused on a lot recently because it's really contributing to a lot of symptoms and perpetuating disease for so many people, especially if you don't know it's something that you're exposed to. So we talk about some of the testing options and what that looks like when it, ta- when it comes to your body, that gut-brain connection and how toxicity can really drive and further your symptoms and disease. So it's a really interesting conversation. But beyond that, in her clinical practice, she is the author of a new book called Unexpected. And this episode was really just that for me. And I feel that it has an incredible purpose for you to listen today. I do not get emotional on many podcasts. And I think there were four different times where I was pretty much in tears because of how much her story resonated. I remember one point in this episode, She even talked about this practice of really leaving herself a note to remind her to ask herself, how do I need to show up for the girl, the little girl that's inside of me that has big dreams, that has passions? And I thought, man, how many times do I miss that mark? How many times am I stiff arming life, feeling like there's just a lot of things coming at me and my only goal is to dodge all the bullets every day? So if this is any encouragement to you, I think that this episode will surprise you because it's gonna give you a lot of tangibles, a lot of information when we talk about health, but I think it'll elevate your perspective, uh, maybe in a way that you haven't had in a while. So I know that it really ministered to my heart and I'm excited to share this conversation with you. So with that, let's get into today's episode. Dr. Jill Carnahan, thank you so much for joining us for today's conversation. You're welcome, Courtney. I am absolutely delighted to be here with you. We're really thrilled for the work you're doing because it's very much the topics around which all of our audience and listeners are trying to access and learn for themselves because these are the things, these are the tools that people are looking for that are going to free them from these patterns of chronic disease. So I'd love for you to just share a little bit about the toxic mold experience that you've had because I think we could start there and there's a lot that we could probably do four conversations around all the different things that you have personally uh, had to face. But with toxic mold specifically, what are these signs and symptoms people should be aware of? Because I think that the the thought that, well, if I can't see it, it's not there, then we dismiss that that's probably not something that we're dealing with. But I'm beginning to believe that that's not the case. And a lot of times this is a major trigger for people's diseased states. Yes, absolutely, Courtney. So the deal is, is most of the time, like I could be in this, you know, lovely study and there could be mold behind the walls and it could be massively affecting my health or causing me to complain of symptoms of chronic fatigue or headaches or fibromyalgia or 
um, even a new diagnosis of autoimmunity. And the most common thing that people complain of when they're exposed to mold and don't know it is cognitive dysfunction. So word finding, difficulty with concentration, memory, focus, things. And we just assume we're aging, but it's not true. Our environment has a huge impact. Um, I always frame functional medicine in one way that I look at how when a patient comes in, it's almost always a combination of toxic load, of which mold is one of the things in our environments, and infectious burden. So these kind of interplay between old infections that tend to pop up, old viruses, old you know tick-borne infections, things that pop up in addition to toxic exposure. And the toxic exposure, the way that plays out is it often weakens our immune system. So it leaves us more susceptible to either new infections or old infections. And all of this creates inflammation, often autoimmunity where the body attacks itself. So a patient could have a new diagnosis of MS or lupus or Hashimoto's or just chronic pain or brain fog or fatigue or hormonal disruptions. And all these things are layers that maybe the root cause is mold. Now, my story began in Boulder, Colorado. After the floods, there was this thousand year flood in 2013 caused literally billions of dollars of damage. Half the town was underwater and very unexpected. And this basically really was a catalyst to causing lots and lots of extensive water damage to buildings in the city. And some were older, some were newer, didn't really matter. Um, My office in particular in the south end of Boulder was flooded. The basement was flooded. We were still able to practice. And unbeknownst to me, there was this dark, toxic, black mold growing in my basement. I was two levels up. I was on the second story and I was right over an unfinished crawl space. And again, at that time, I had no clue about mold, how it grows, the construction of homes and all these things. And I've kind of had to become a a building expert in some ways. I leave it to the real experts, but I know enough to help the patients navigate. And I know now like an unfinished crawl space with water standing is a definite risk for mold. And anytime that that air from the crawl space in your home or your workplace is continuous with the air of your home, it can bring in the mold into your house. So that was one thing. And then in the basement, there was also growing this mold. So it was several things. In my second story office, the contractor, I didn't know any better at the time, but he literally put down a beautiful brand new bamboo floor over some old carpet that was probably 15, 20 years old. So you can imagine I was stepping every time I stepped, I would be very soft, you know, bamboo soft and the carpet underneath. And it was puffing these puffs of probably old toxic mold. And I started going downhill. I started having word finding difficulty. I started having rashes. My eyes became really inflamed and red and irritated. Um, I was exhausted every day. I was going downhill and I had no clue what was happening. Now, I knew that the environment could have something to do with it. And I started to put it together. And what's funny, and I want to just speak to your listeners, because so often when mold is an issue, people are really either in denial or hesitant to test or treat because it's overwhelming. I was no different. I thought, okay, if it is mold, do I have to leave my office? Do I have to sell my practice? Like what is going to, what's the consequences? And the difficulty with mold is the consequences often are psychologically and financially incredibly, uh, I mean, exorbitant. And so I didn't really know what it was going to be. But finally, I got so sick that I had to figure it out. I did a test in my urine to check for mycotoxins, and it was positive for the black mold, what they call trichosethenes, which is a mycotoxin produced by the black mold. So this was in my body. I was excreting it in the urine. And the same week, I had an inspector come out. We did bulk samples of the basement and stachybotrys, one of these black toxic molds that produces that same toxin that was in my body was found. So I knew, I mean, bingo, there's your detective work. I knew mold was causing it. And literally, Courtney, it was um, the day after Christmas, 2014, literally like days after I found the results, I did not set foot back in my office. I left the office. I found, I actually practiced from home while I found a new space. And then I found a new space and I literally sold 
everything there. I had 20 years of medical textbooks and books, and I love books. I gave them all away. I got rid of them because I didn't want that to affect me. Now, I do want to say a caveat, just because you have mold or if you find mold does not mean you have to sell everything, walk out of your house. For me, at that point, I realized intuitively through prayer meditation, I knew this was so toxic that I had to change and I had to do dramatically. And it literally gave me back my health over time. So for me, it was the right choice. Not everybody has to do that. You can remediate, you can fix it. In this case, I had a landlord involved that wasn't willing to admit there was an issue. So I didn't have a choice. I couldn't fix the problem. I had to leave. Wow. And I I think this is really interesting because you had uh, an obvious like water exposure that created this mold, but that's not necessarily the case for a lot of people. And this is where I, I feel that mold gets swept under the rug or people, because like you said, there is so much that is required. If you really suspect mold, I mean, are you going to sell your house? Like, do you, you're going to have to fix the problem because then you don't want to sell it to somebody else. And now it's their problem. And it's like, I know about it. Like this is tens of thousands of dollars. Like I don't even want to believe that mold's the issue. I'll just try as many different protocols as I can and see if I can just get myself better because it's a giant hassle. It's extremely expensive. And I'm overwhelmed thinking about what that process is going to look like if I really believe that this is a root cause. So for most people that maybe are like, okay, well, I'm fine. Like my house hasn't flooded. I don't have a roof leak. Like my house is brand new, but I already believe that that's probably not necessarily true. So what is it that people should be thinking about if they're doing all of these little band-aid approaches, even the healthy band-aid approaches, you know, trying to take all the binders, trying to take all the glutathione, like all these things like, oh, it'll be fine. I'll find the right supplement and then my brain fog will be gone. Probably not the best strategy. So I'm probably long-winded with this question, but you know where I'm going with it in terms of like, what do people really, you know, to have that, you know, really critical eye to say, man, it could actually be a possibility. Yeah. So number one rule of mold and biotoxin exposure is you will not get well if you are still getting massive exposures. There's no amount of supplements, sleep protocols, prayer, anything that you can do that will overcome that toxic burden. It's like bailing out a boat that's leaking and you're just like trying to tread water, but you can't really make any progress. So number one, if you've tried a lot of things and you're like, nothing's really working for me, I'll tell you in clinical practice, I see this all the time because I'll see patients where I put them on a protocol that should work. And then we try again with maybe a slight variation of the protocol that should work. And over and over and over again, we get no traction. I almost always find in those cases, there's a mold at the root and they're in this exposure where um, again, it's that bailing out the leaking boat. It's also, I've talked about toxic load as we all have this bucket ability to detox. It's like we're born with a bucket. My bucket, when I was born on the farm, I got cancer at a young age, it was really small. So it didn't take long for that bucket to fill up with water and flow over the top. And when the bucket starts filling up, that's your toxic load and flows over the top. It presents with autoimmunity, neurodegenerative, cognitive decline, even things like Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, ALS, MS other things like cancers. So again, in my case, it's exactly what my story is about. My toxic load got high, bucket overflowed. So in the case of mold, if you are trying all these things and you're not getting better, you may want to consider. Now, the other thing, so number one is you do have to get out of the situation. Number two is it is overwhelming and there's literally a chemical effect. I did this in research for the book. There's studies on the chemical effect of inhalation of mycotoxins and other chemicals on the limbic system. So literally, even if you're you know, you have a great faith, you have great family, you are emotionally, you know, healthy and you've done all that work and you don't have any issues. Even so, 
mold has a massive traumatic PTSD effect on our body just from the chemical inhalation on our limbic system. So when someone is in mold, not only are they dealing with this little bit of overwhelm of, oh, what do I do about this? Is it my house? And our home is our safe place, right? It's where we raise our families, where we go sleep, where we eat, where we you know nourish ourselves. And because it's our safe place, all of a sudden there's a threat to our safety. It's a big deal on a really biochemical level. So that's part of the problem. One the way that I kind of decipher if this is an issue is I talk to patients about, have you gone on vacation lately? Have you left for 10 or 14 days? Or have you you know, gone out of your house? Because often if you listen to the story, they'll say, oh, well, back in 2018, I bought this house and every since then I've not been well. Or, you know what? I went to Hawaii for two weeks last year and I felt the best I've ever felt. All my symptoms went away. Or I had recently a patient, they went camping and they're sleeping on the ground and they're outside their house. And she's like, all of my bowel symptoms went away. And you might not think of bowels and mold, but they are absolutely connected. You can have um, exacerbation of fungal overgrowth or bacterial overgrowth or many different things in the bowel based on the mold exposure weakening the immune system. So all these clues are clues. And then the overwhelm of what to do. Well, first of all, you need to get a good inspector, but you can do some things on your own first. If you're like, I don't want to spend a lot of money. I want to just check and see. I often recommend that patients get a qPCR test. It's also called ERMI. And you can buy these online. You can, it basically takes dust from your home and the company will check for DNA of the mold in that dust in your home because mold and mold spores and mycotoxins are all carried on the dust in your home. So you can check and see historically a snapshot of the dust in your home. Is there mold in that? If there's some really nasty molds in there, there's probably an issue. Because again, 99% of people, there's not like a visible water stain or a visible massive issue. Now, there are some things you can do yourself. Look under your sinks. Is the wood warped? Was there a previous leak under the sink, under your dishwasher? Is your flooring, if you have hardwood, is it starting to warp or starting to you know, buckle? You can look at the windowsills. Is there any uh, signs of water intrusion? You can look at your ceilings and the corners of your roof. Make sure that the air between your attic and your home is not contaminated because if that attic air has some issues and it's coming into your home through like the can lighting or things that aren't sealed off, Crawl spaces are huge, as I already mentioned. So check your crawl space. Is there standing water? Well, that's going to have mold. And then if your crawl space communicates with your home, air is going to be exchanged. And these molds themselves, the spores are bad enough. I mean, they can cause allergies and histamine reactions and mass selectivation, but those are big part- particles. What happens a lot of times is those molds are producing the mycotoxins, and that's what you can check in the human body in the urine. And those mycotoxins are VOCs, they're volatile organic compounds. They're like 2.5 microns or smaller. They can go right into our lungs, diffuse into our alveoli and into our bloodstream immediately. Do not pass go. You don't need any transport. So they can get into our bloodstream just through inhalation very quickly. And these are very small. And those are the things, say there's an issue behind my wall right here. Those mycotoxins are still going to come through and cause illness in the human body. Wow. There's a lot, when you think about your house, the way that our houses are built, there are so many different points of intrusion, like where, and, and mold is invasive. I mean, if you think you've just had one little tiny leak with a sink in one part of your house, you'll be shocked. Like you said, the dust, right? Dust is like, it's everywhere and it's, it gets carried through the vents. I mean, I can even feel the air vents right now in my own home and it's sucking air up and intake, and then it's taking it to different parts of the house and dumping it out. So you know, even if you think you've got an isolated problem, I can tell you from personal experience and exactly what you're just saying that it is incredibly invasive. And even the smallest amounts can start producing incredibly lethal types of mycotoxins that are, I mean, they're lethal to your cells. Like they will make you 
feel terrible. Yeah. I mean, these toxins are, are used to like, they're being studied in chemical warfare. They're very, very toxic. And there's several different classes, the typical aflatoxins, ochratoxins, they often increase mass cell activation, which can cause a whole host of things, including heartburn, palpitations, anxiety, insomnia, brain fog, et cetera. And then there's other toxins like mycophenolic acid, which is actually the chemical compound. It's from mold that's used to create a drug called Selsept. Selsept is used to to prevent organ transplant rejection. So it's a complete immunosuppressive drug. It's made from mycophenolic acid, which I can test in the urine of patients who've been exposed to mold. So then we see this massive immune suppression. And that's why I mentioned in the beginning, the connection with infections, because you could be you know, been bit by a tick as a child and you're fine, but you might've gotten Lyme disease, but you don't need to be treated. Your immune system is robust in keeping that under control, but you get exposed to mold and all of a sudden your immune system can no longer keep that old Epstein-Barr or that old herpes virus, you get cold sores or that shingles, that's, you know, chickenpox gets reactivated or the Lyme disease, you get pain, you get headaches, you get uh, fatigue. So all these old infections, which we all have some of them, can be reactivated in the, in the setting of a mold exposure because that weakened immune system. This brings up an, another question then with the immune system specifically, because I think that's a really important correlation there with those diseases, because how many people do we know that are dealing with mast cell activation? They're dealing with autoimmune stuff. They're dealing with MS, like you name it. There's, there are so many different things. You can just run down the list, but what is that connection? What is it that these exposures are doing that's altering our gut microbiome and then consequently our immune system becoming dysregulated? And I know we can land on a lot of different things there, but Explain maybe what that mechanism it, it, of action is happening when we're talking about mold specifically in relation to the gut and the immune system. Yeah, so mold has been known to do a lot of disruption of the HPA axis, and this is like our control center. So it controls our adrenals and our thyroid and all of our female and male hormones, um, and really our, even our leptin and adiponectin, which relate to diabetes or to weight gain. A lot of patients will have, you know, 20, 30, 40 or more pounds of weight gain suddenly with no changes because that mold toxins will stick in the leptin receptors and cause weight loss to be impossible. And they could literally probably stop eating and they can't lose weight. So mold actually sabotages our ability to metabolize and burn fat for fuel. It also affects the brain. Like I said, it affects, um, it can cause aromatase upregulation, which can cause men and women to take their testosterone stores, which keeps muscle and strong and healthy and good libido and pull that into estrogen. So women will have estrogen dominant symptoms like heavy bleeding, painful periods, endometriosis, fibrocystic breast, or even just PMS symptoms. Men will tend to have central weight gain, man boobs, and all these symptoms of dominance of estrogen. It sabotages the adrenals. There's a specific mold called ketonium that really lowers cortisol. So I'll see people come in with um, HP axis dysfunction, very low cortisol, exhaustion, and just that flatline adrenal on testing. And that can also be from mold exposure. So, and thyroid, and it can cause Hashimoto's thyroiditis. So back to the gut, how this happens is mold in one case will lower MSH. MSH is one of the barrier things that will help. Like we saw in mice models, when MSH was gone or lowered, they developed inflammatory bowel disease. So mold can actually sabotage some of the chemicals that help keep our gut stable and, and uh, prevent leaky gut. And so when there's mold, there's almost always intestinal permeability. You can have more overgrowth of bacteria or fungi, and then you have um, leaky gut because the membranes are compromised. You can have um, dysfunction with absorption of nutrients. So all of these things, and I'm, I'm leading to autoimmunity because the gut immune interface where our gut lumen interfaces with the bloodstream is where everything starts with autoimmune disease. 
So often it's the microbiome that's getting leaking into the bloodstream next door. These coatings of microbes called lipopolysaccharides sneak in and they're a big trigger for immune inflammation. And as soon as you start poking the immune system through a leaky gut, often you get this overreaction production of cytokines and that leads to autoimmunity where your body mistakes self for foreign invader and starts to make antibodies. So even mold can create this um, milieu in the gut or this breakdown of your membranes that lead to autoimmunity. Wow. I mean, the cascade, it just goes, it goes downstream. Um, and so in talking about autoimmunity too, because this is so prevalent, I mean, the number of children now that we're seeing that are already expressing autoimmune conditions, you know, what is the the brain connection there, because you actually, you talk a lot about this on, on social media, and I imagine it's a part of your new book that's coming out as well, but the relationship of emotional health, self-worth, because here's the thing, we're all going through something, you know, nobody's health is perfect ever. And mm -hmm. I think that there is a very strong connection between the way that we view our bodies and our body's ability to heal and the condition that we're facing because there's our body's always working for us but sometimes in our mind we kind of give up on ourselves and we start to think you know it's just never going to happen for me i'll never lose this extra weight i'll never you know i'll never have the energy like my friend and also i just won't ever be able to accomplish what they accomplish so can you connect those for us because that's a really important component here when we're talking about any type of chronic disease Oh, such a great question. And yes, I go deep in the book. Just a little history about the book. You know, eight years ago, God put on my heart to write this. And I literally was arguing like, who am I? I don't know what I'm doing. I can't write a book. You know, it's funny. And guys, it's like, all you have to do is obey. I will give you everything you need, like the resources, the publisher, all that. All you have to do is tell. And it was literally in my heart. All you have to do is tell your story. And at that time, I thought it was going to be about environmental toxicity. That was my big thing. I'd seen so many things from breast cancer to Crohn's in my own life to mold toxicity how the environment affected illness. And I'm seeing today, the biggest elephant in the room is the environmental toxic load and how it affects our bodies. So I was really adamant about bringing this story and it, it kept coming back to me telling the story. But the most important thing there is in this uh, subsequent years, which it literally was eight years since I first had this on my heart, I experienced a toxic divorce, some very difficult relationships and my own inner work around, well, how do I feel about myself? How does this affect my immune system? And I've done thousands of hours of work and therapy and some of the most profound changes in my own body, my health, and my immune system were around exactly what you're asking about. It wasn't just the environmental toxins. It was the emotional toxins, the childhood trauma, the way we believe and view ourselves. And those things are transformational. And I'm so glad it took me those years because I had so much more to add to the book on this level of healing, which is really some of the most profound healing. So let's talk about that. What does it look like? How does it manifest? There's a couple of stories I have. Number one, back in the day, 25-year-old breast cancer in medical school, I was fighting for the battle of my life, very aggressive. I did chemotherapy, radiation, and it was a fight, right? Like I fought cancer. We talk about that mentality of fighting. And I won. I, I beat the cancer. And 26, I was considered in remission, but I had gone through you know, to hell and back really as far as losing my hair and completely malnourished and my gut was destroyed. Six months later, I got Crohn's disease. Once again, I'm going to fight Crohn's. I'm going to beat it. And I did. I overcame. I don't have Crohn's anymore. And I was told that that was incurable. I was told that, and now I talk about reversible autoimmunity is actually we have control. We can reverse these conditions. Whereas the traditional medical system, when there's not a drug for the condition, they consider it incurable. And that's just not true. So all that to say that fight was my mental game and it worked. And then along came mold. 
And with mold, what happens is mold triggers your innate immune system. We saw this with COVID to produce cytokines and inflammatory molecules that cause damage. So all of a sudden your own body is creating the damage and creating the illness and creating the issue. It's not, it's an external trigger. But once that trigger gets going, it's like a vicious cycle inside your body. And so with mold, it's no different. The mold is a massive toxic trigger and weakens your system, but then your own body is going to war with yourself. And I realized one day as I was walking, this fight mentality is not going to cure me. This fight mentality is going to kill me and I have to change my story. And I remember just thinking and praying, and I had just heard a story of a man who needed a bone marrow transplant for a type of leukemia. And the doctors told him, you know, we're going to need to harvest as many of your cells from your bone marrow. And the guy was very into meditation and prayer and said, how can I do that? And they said, well, you know, there are some studies and he ended up doing some prayer and meditation around nourishing his bone marrow. When he went to get the biopsy, the doctors were astounded at the amount of blood cells they were able to harvest like 10 times the normal. And they asked him what he did. And he said, it's all here. You know, it's all the the mind. And I thought, well, why can't I do that? So that day I, I came up with a little story in my head and it involved the little minions, the little yellow minions from Despicable Me. Because that was just an image. I was like, these guys are my immune helpers. And I literally for days, every time I meditated and prayed, I would think about these little minions being in my body and they were cleaning. They were like sweeping the streets of the toxic mold, but they were whistling. They were friendly. They were not fighting. They were in harmony with my system and escorting out this toxin in a way that was helpful and, and not fighting. And I literally changed my mindset and I started to heal. And there's lots of other things I did, but I have no doubt that that changing my story around the fight was part of the reason why I'm still healthy today and I've overcome mold-related illness. It worked for cancer and then I had to change the story. And then I say that because there's so many metaphors with Gabor Mate and Peter Levine's work on trauma, somatic experiencing, and some of these things. Autoimmunity at a metaphorical level is attack of self. And again, I've experienced this, so I had to really go through. And I came from a really fundamental conservative religious culture that was beautiful and gave me my faith that I have today and really was loving and a beautiful place for me to grow up. But part of that culture was deny yourself and love others. And I did that and I did that well. But there's a place there where that denial of self can go go so deep that it's almost self-hatred or self-loathing where we don't accept ourselves. We hate parts of ourselves. We're like, oh, I'm too big here or too small here or too, or my brain's not smart enough. All those things, those messages that we have, And unfortunately, I took it to a different level. It wasn't what the culture gave me, but I took it to a level of more self-loathing and hatred. And I did develop autoimmunity and I had to change that message. And again, through my faith in God and many, many different ways of people in my life and, and things, I realized, oh, God loves me. I can love myself. That's not wrong. And I had to change the story because I was so conditioned to think that self love is evil or wrong. And I had to actually be like, no, 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 I actually thank you, God. And I literally started thanking God every day for this body that took me through. I'm, I always say I'm like a cat with nine lives. I should have died so many times, Courtney. Like I'm here living. I am a miracle. And, and that miracle is partially because the body that God gave me has been so resilient. And when I started like having such deep love and gratitude for these cells, this body, my breasts, all the pieces of my body, my gut, my immune system, that actually transformed my health too. And I started talking, we have to love ourselves. And, and I mean, God shows us that because he loves us that much too. So it's like this beautiful, beautiful thing that I didn't understand. And in that same way, my intuition in, in the uh, relevance of science and how I was trained in medicine, we're taught to think analytically, the science is the only thing you can trust. And I was born this very intuitive, heart-based, empathic child, right? But I had to kind of push that all aside, become this analytical engineer 
all science-based, which is great. I love the science. But what I had to come back to in order to heal, in order to heal my patients, is this heart-based intuition has knowledge. And for me, it's from a divine source, right? And so that place of loving myself and trusting my own intuition in a really healthy way was absolutely, I will say, the most transformational piece in my own personal healing. I'm just like emotional even listening to that story because I can I can feel just the emotional honesty and vulnerability in that. And there's something very supernatural. And I love that your faith was so integral, you know, in into that healing. Because let's be honest, we fail ourselves all the time. You know, there we will, we will forever, because we are human. This is the nature of humanity that we will always fall short. Other people are going to not. They're 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 not gonna, you know, hit the mark all the time either. And so until we can accept the love that's already there for us and and embrace, lean into this posture, heart posture of gratitude, you know, we we're gonna be stuck in a constant battle and kind of this hamster wheel of chasing, you know, disease and feeling defeated. Because to be honest, like you'll get up from a day-to-day basis and if you wake up and you've got a headache and your body hurts and it aches and it feels puffy, guess what? Those circumstances are now going to tell you the way that you're going to feel the rest of the day. And I, I just love that picture of, of just receiving. Like It doesn't matter where you are on your healing journey. You can feel terrible, but if you get up and that mindset, you have this place of gratitude. And I think I've said this before on other podcasts, but as long as you have breath in your lungs, you have the ability to heal. Like you are granted, your body is working for you, but you've got to get your mind in the right place. And I, you know, whether you've got a spiritual practice or relationship or not, like, I think just having, bringing that awareness to the fact that, you know, your body may feel really broken, but there is healing that's for you. And until you can start to believe that and access it, like really, truly believe that your body is showing up for you and that healing is for you you will always feel like that disease owns you, that that's a label that you carry on your life. You know, I love you. I wanted to just mention there because so often um, when we identify, so our identity is part of our habits and part of our healing. So if I say I am a non-smoker, I don't eat gluten. I don't, I could go anywhere in the world. Someone could offer me a cigarette, which I would just laugh, right? Like, no, I'm not a smoker. I'm sorry. Or um, gluten. And I'm just like, no, my identity is I don't smoke. I don't drink alcohol. I don't eat gluten, whatever. And we can do the same thing about, I am a healthy person because our identity will drive all of our choices and behaviors. And if we had, and it's funny, I say this because I'm a cancer survivor. I rarely say those words because there's nothing wrong with that. If you're out there, you're a survivor. I'm proud of you. And I'm proud of me. But the truth is like, I never identify. There's so many times when I wake up and especially when I write my book, I'm like, oh yeah, I, I did go through cancer. There's almost this like, I don't identify with that at all. And same with the Crohn's and same with the, so I never grabbed those and took them into my identity. I was like, no, no, no. I don't have Crohn's. I'm going to come overcome this. I, and it wasn't denial. It was a healthy way of viewing it as something that affected me, but didn't own me. I did not own me. And if you're out there suffering from illness, your illness does not own you. It's not your identity. And it's so easy for us to fall into the victim mindset of, oh, I have this. I'm going to be disabled forever. I'm going to be, and granted, I have the deepest compassion because I have been there. I have suffered through so many things where I thought, and even like with the mold, my face was covered with uh, sores and, and acne and my eyes were red. I looked horrendously ill. 
and all of those times. But when you identify with it, it actually changes how you deal with it. So if we can actually say, no, 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 this happened not to me, but for me. And again, a big part of my book is looking at suffering, looking at difficulties, looking at illness as a teacher, as something that came into your life for a purpose for your soul to transform to a better, more resilient version of yourself. And if you can frame that, it doesn't take away the suffering. And I've been there. So I have the deepest compassion if you're out there and you're sick and you're like, I don't know if I could do another day. But the truth is it doesn't own you and it doesn't define you. And if you can really separate from that and believe that there's something else possible, I think every one of you out there has a potential to heal. That's beautiful. Gosh, I love that so much. And that that is so true. I hope you feel that hope. I hope it's tangible, that it's palpable for you. And if you're listening or you're driving or you're walking, whatever it is, like take a moment, like put your hand over your heart, take a deep breath, like really have one of those defining moments where you say, okay, today is where I change the way that I'm thinking about all of this, because you are always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. So wherever your brain, and and it will happen daily, it always does, we're we're just pre-bent, we're conditioned, we create these neural pathways. So we, we tend to fall in the same patterns of critical thinking, and we land in the same places. But you can recreate those pathways in your brain, but you've got to know that that's where you're going to be headed all the time by default. So change the direction of those thoughts. You said that so beautifully. I absolutely love it. And so I imagine you're going to, you address this in the book, but I would love to know on a practical level, how you were able to find purpose and meaning in some of this pain. Like what was it that that you did on a day-to-day basis? And maybe it was just a simple practice, or maybe it was you know, a a spiritual triathlon in the morning, but what was, what was like, what's an actionable step for somebody that feels, they feel all the pain. They, they feel they, they're wearing the diagnosis and it's heavy. Like what is something that is like a very doable action step for them that can get them to a place where they feel hope, where they feel like, okay, I'm on a healing journey now. I'm not on a sick journey. Yeah. So I want to frame that with a short story, which was one of the first experiences when I had breast cancer. Again, I was 25 years old. Uh, I had just hit my 25th birthday. So almost 24. And I was in the middle of medical school and in this, the medical center where I was diagnosed, I was literally at that time, the youngest one they'd ever diagnosed. Now, since then, sadly, there's a lot of young women with breast cancer. And this diagnosis is a death sentence. I was with um, about 10 or 12 women under 40 in a support group. And I'm the only one still living at that time. So it's just like, it's horrendous. And so it's a very different, a lot of times 60, 70 year old women get this, it's slower growing. It can still be very fatal. So I don't want to diminish that, but I was dealing with the death sentence. And I remember knowing that, understanding that I was in medicine, right? I knew that. And I just thought, do I have six weeks or six months or six years? I didn't know. Now I'm healthy. It's 21 years later. So I'm doing well. But at that moment, I didn't know. And I did have a faith and I want to just speak, I'm talking a lot about my faith, but even if you're out there and you don't have a faith, there is studies, uh, the blue zones, which are where the most centenarians, these are where people over a hundred live. There's Italy and Japan and Loma Linda and uh, Costa Rica. And one thing they all have in common and they're all different parts of the world. They're all different faith practices. They do have a belief in a higher purpose and a higher power, all of them. And again, they, they, they manifest in different ways, but that's a commonality of these people who live long. So I'm saying this because the science supports that faith in something greater than yourself 
regardless of your beliefs, if you're listening, um, really is a powerful healer. So my own personal journey, I'm literally in the car weeks after my diagnosis on the radio. I hear this minister come on and he, spe- he, he speaks this verse from um, the Bible and it says, the sickness is not, will not end in death, but it's for the glory of God. And I was just that moment. I remember I'll never forget it because for me, that was speaking to me that this thing you're going through, Jill, is not about your suffering. And there's something good. It's like what I told you earlier is if we can look for the beauty and the teaching in those suffering moments. And I, that was my first lesson. It was like I was my first lesson of my teacher of cancer was trust that something good will come out of this. And I also felt like I was given a promise that I would live. And I grabbed onto that like a person grabbing onto a life preserver for dear life. And I held on the whole journey through the waves and the wind. And I, I'm like, no, I'm going to live. I'm going to live. And so if you can grab onto something, and maybe it's a gratitude for your family and the loved ones that you have around you that are loving you through this or whatever it is, there's always something to be grateful for. For me, I grabbed onto that verse and that was my life verse. And I grabbed onto that. I knew, I knew without a doubt. And because I believed, I think that actually helped to transform. And you could, again, find your own piece of belief and transformation. But when you're looking at suffering as a teacher, and I look back now, that platform of understanding and living breast cancer at 25, it's what my whole practice started becoming based on because I said, I've been there. I know. So I started telling my story. And now I realize like that gave me such a gift in being able to heal the world and teach the world and do all these things because that story and that understanding, and that's my documentary, Dr. Patient. I was like, how did you live both and actually come back to tell the story? And then practical things would be writing in a journal, things you're grateful for every day, because our mind will focus on what we put it on. For me, I like grabbed onto this verse and I held it in front of me and I knew I was going to live. And I think that actually helped me to get through the darkest times. So if there's something, maybe it's a mantra, maybe it's a verse, maybe it's something you could put in front of you every day and remind you, and number two, writing gratitude or, or, or thinking gratitude or taking time to be grateful. Gratitude actually changes our hearts. And then the last thing is our younger version of ourselves, our five-year-old self. Some of you have been through abuse. Some of you have been through trauma. Some of you had a great childhood. But there's this piece of loving ourselves and going back and actually being kind and compassionate to ourselves that heals our body and ourselves. And when I started doing that work, instead of hearing the voices of, oh, you're stupid, you're an idiot, or why did you do that? Or you're too big, or you're too small, or you're too, whatever things that we do, you're not enough. All those messages we hear and we tell ourselves, catch yourself, catch your brain, catch your inner dialogue. It's almost like a recording, right? Say, no, 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 sweetheart, you're doing a great job. Wow, you look beautiful today. You can actually talk to yourself. I have a little note in my medicine cabinet still today. If I go and show you, it's still there. And I put this there a couple of years ago and it says, what does she need from me today? It's this kindness and compassion. We are so good at putting that out into the world, but when we can turn it around and reflect it back to our own selves and our childhood selves that maybe had some difficulties or traumas and love that part of ourselves, it literally transforms our body and our mind and our health. Oh man, guys, I'm a puddle over here. I'm not going to lie. This is like probably one of the most touching conversations. And I, I just, and I think it's ministering to my heart in a way that I didn't even expect or even feel like I needed. So I hope that it is ministering to you on that level too, that it is just deeply touching a part of you that maybe you've neglected or not honored, just like you talked about. It's that getting back to your childhood and, and who you were, like what it was, what really made your spirit light up? Because I think a lot of times we just we get so lost and disconnected from that. 
And then as an adult, we feel like, well, that's child, you know, that that's not, that's not an adult thing or that's, I'm in a different season and phase of life. Like, but we very much just see what is being reflected back to us in, in the season, in the present right now. And what I hear you saying is that there's so much more that we need to be able to love and appreciate for ourselves and the journey that we've been on and the story. Like I, you know, what's interesting that just came to mind was you were talking about your story and your story is truly incredible. What you've experienced, what you've been through. And I, I truly believe that you are standing in the purpose of, of those struggles, like right now, you know, and that's, that's because this is, this was the fruit that is coming from, you know, that battle and those obstacles and doesn't mean that it was easy or, you know, that, that it, it was enjoyable to go through, but you were standing in the purpose of that. And the story part is so interesting because how many of us think, well, our story is insignificant. You know, I'm not a doctor. I'm not somebody that is going to write a book. I'm not somebody whose, you know, story really matters. What would you say to that person that just feels like, well, yeah, I mean, I have a story, but like, I don't have influence. I don't have a platform or anything like that. So what's the point of me mapping it out or journaling it out or acknowledging it? You know, somebody that maybe just feels discouraged by, you know, their own path and journey. Oh, Courtney, I love this question because one of the things in writing the book, it is my story. And it's funny because there's a million books out there on my shelf here that are, you know, my colleagues and friends, amazing stuff, how to cure autoimmunity in 30 days, this special, uh, paleo diet, or, you know, you name it. These are amazing books, amazing resources. I knew in my heart that I had to do something different. And I remember some of the books I've read where like you savor part of a chapter, a chapter every night, and you like almost don't want the book to finish because it so touches your soul. I remember like knowing before I wrote this book, I need to write my story. And I had publisher after publisher tell me, Jill, you can't write a memoir. You're not well enough known. Like you're not a celebrity. You're not, a, you know, like in that, that big era. And I just kept going back to, no, I have to tell my story because the stories are connected tissue. And even in writing this, I'm saying that because what my hope and prayer is that the reader or anyone listening who reads the book is going to be touched on their journey and they're going to see themselves. It's, I literally prayed that this would be a reflection for the reader, that they could see pieces of themselves that needed to heal or transform and that it literally would be transformative in their life and not really about me. Like it uses my story, but it's not really about me. It's about you. It's about you, the reader, the listener, the whatever, and even listening to this podcast. This is about, it's, just, it's not about me. I'm not here to promote myself. I'm here to, to encourage you that you can be transformed in your illness and whatever you're facing and that there is hope and there is ability to be resilient. And I would stand on the mountaintops and shout that. And that is my, as you can tell, I get really passionate about it because it's so important to encourage. And now more than ever, we need hope. And if I can be a vessel of hope through my own story, but story is that connective tissue. So I'm saying this to you, you have a story, your list, dear listener out there, you have your own story and you may think it's insignificant. It is not because maybe your neighbor, maybe your best friend, maybe your spouse needs to hear something in your story to help them transform. And we just continue to pass this on. My story isn't about me. It's about you. And your story isn't about you. It's about the next person that needs that love. And it could be someone that you meet in the parking lot. It could be a loved one. It could be, it'll surprise you, but there's someone in your life that needs to hear from you. And that's what really, really matters is we continue to encourage one another through our stories. And our story is the only way that we can really connect on that level. Wow. This has really been 
an absolute blessing of a conversation. And I just, I, I'm, I'm so excited for this episode to launch. And, and because I just know that there are a lot of people carrying really heavy things right now. I mean, I, I don't know that I've ever felt that present, that just this heaviness, you know, in, in overwhelm and defeat in so many people and in a lot of women, honestly, too, because I've never seen so much brokenness from an emotional standpoint. And there's that huge connection to traumas that we've experienced that are maybe health related, maybe they're emotional, uh, they're in the form of a relationship. But wherever you are, I hope you know that you are seen, that you are loved, that your story is important, that it has value. And there is purpose in your pain. And when you can start to see that as a gift, that you carry something that is unique to you because you were designed to carry it, not alone, not by yourself, not to be miserable, but because it is going to be a reflection for somebody else to grow and to heal from, because only you can speak to that level of pain to that person. You know, I can't, I can't say that I've walked through Dr. Jill's story. Um, but she can, but there's so many pieces of her story that minister to my heart because I can see that I can be encouraged by how she's been able to overcome by the things that she's done. I'll never look at minions the same guys. <laughs> the little right. minions on Despicable <laughs> Me. I mean, I will never not think of like these little immune helpers and my kids are always watching that and stuff. And so it's so cute, but you know, this is just like one of those moments that I feel like it's it is a complete mindset shift and I am so happy that we're having this conversation because it is I can tell that this is your battle cry that this is this is what you have you have lived for and 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 I believe that there's going to be a ripple effect imp- of impact on people's lives because of it. So wow, how encouraging. So okay, I follow you on social and I love your content. I love how you're helping people on that platform. We've got the book that is out. Now we're recording this a little bit before, so it's not out yet, but I've got it on pre-order. So I'm excited. Um, But if you're listening to it now, it is available. So make sure wherever you go, purchase books, you know, Amazon or wherever, um, make sure that you get her book because what we've just had in this conversation, I believe is just beautifully communicated through this book on an even deeper level. But I would love for you to share, Dr. Jill, with us where people can connect with you if they are on that healing journey and they want to learn more. Maybe they suspect they have mold illness or mold toxicity, um, or maybe they've got another type of autoimmune disease, or they've got something they've just been wrestling with for some time. Where can they connect with you or your practice um, or your practitioners? How can people find you? Thank you so much, Courtney. Um, you mentioned Instagram and social, and I do tons of little soundbite tidbits on mold and all this. So Dr. Jill Carnahan on Instagram is a great place to find me and find me doing silly things because as we talk about play and childhood, dancing, coloring, like these things are actually really powerful healers. And I, part of my own journey was coloring, like coloring and, uh, and speaking of coloring at readunexpected.com, that's the site for the book. You can, again, you can get it anywhere. I don't care where you get it, but there's some really cool things I put together for free gifts. So if you do purchase a book, go back to Read Unexpected, put in your receipt and your name, and I will uh, send you a coloring journal that follows the book, um, a free lecture on mast cell activations. You know what to do if you get mast cell issues, um, a free um, audio recording that's um, speaking it that's not in the book. So a secret chapter. Anyway, so just some free fun stuff. Any way you want, Read Unexpected is about the book. And my actual practice is just my name, jillcarnahan.com. 
Oh, amazing. I'm so excited to check out all these things. And we were talking before, I think we're going to have to do, you know, maybe a book giveaway. We'll do something really fun here because we just are so thrilled that you have been obedient into stepping into this assignment of mapping out your story and, and really giving people hope, you know, in a world that is otherwise heavy, dark, and what seems to be hopeless in a lot of ways. Um, so I believe there's so much blessing and favor on you and on this project. So I'm really excited about it. Guys, make sure you follow her. Like she said, she has great reels, great information. Like it's unbelievably helpful. So if you're trying to learn about it, it's a great way to connect with her. Make sure you, uh, if you like this episode, if you like the podcast, leave us a review. We love hearing from you. Oh my goodness, guys, we're in this together. This podcast exists because we want to empower you. We want you to have tools, things in your tool belt that are going to help you along your healing journey. So Dr. Jill, thank you so much for having this conversation with us today. And guys, we will see you on the next episode. Hey, Dr. Axe here. I want to say thank you so much for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to like and subscribe to the show so you don't miss a thing. Also, if you're in search of more natural health content, you can follow us at Health Institute on Instagram or subscribe to our newsletter using the link in the show notes below. Hey, thanks a lot and have a blessed week.